good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Welcome back to our faithful listeners. We really appreciate you joining us again. Today's March 20th, and I always think March 21st is the first day of spring, but apparently today is the first day of spring. So welcome everybody to the rebirth. I I actually feel a little freer and um, kind of like I've been rebirthed. So I think this is an appropriate day for this. There has been a lot going on in the Duran world lately. Uh, there's some promo happening. There has been the Astro Hotel event. There's been some tour dates announced. But in this episode, we're just kind of going to talk through some of the interviews that we have heard recently, bring up some of the things that, that stuck out to us. Feel free, as always, to comment or give us suggestions or ask questions or whatever you might want to do on our Instagram and our Twitter page so that um, we can interact with you because we're you and we want to we want to to know uh, how how you feel what you're thinking and uh, how we're doing actually but can I just um, say Jody before you yes. get it before we get please, into it please with it being March 20th the spring equinox we have to say happy anniversary to astronomia which was Nick Rhodes and Wendy Bevins project it is turns one year old today. We thoroughly enjoyed all of the volumes and think that project was fantastic. Congratulations to Wendy and Nick on a phenomenal uh, collaboration. I was listening to it a little bit today and I was thinking, okay, it's almost spring and here it is actually spring. And I thought tomorrow was the first day of spring. So yay, that's awesome. Yes, I think that was a fantastic COVID lockdown project for for Mr. Rhodes. And speaking of, LeBon mentioned that in the Rock and Tours interview, podcast interview with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt, he mentioned how Whoosh came about and that, okay, what do you say? John's doing management came to him and said, you've got to do something. And John's doing the tutorials and Roger's doing tutorials. And I thought, wait, Roger's not doing tutorials. He was doing Desert Island Discs, right? Yeah. He got right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and he then nothing going. He said, Nick is into his art and doing all of his art things. So I had to do something and I'm not going to do a lyrical, um, uh, what did he call it? A vocal, vocal, do tutorial. Do a vocal, vocal tutorial. Vocal tutorial. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I had to laugh. So he's like, so I started a radio program. What did you guys think of that? I thought that interview was really great. Um, I thought it was too. And it kind of, first of all, I really liked the, so I, I like um, Gary and guys like interaction and I like yeah. their interaction with their guests because you know they're part of the industry as well so it's kind of like an, it's kind of like listening in on industry people I um, the same so thing. it's kind of like, like it, you kind of feel like friends. they're fly on the wall like they're old friends they're really you know there's there's sometimes especially with Gary Kemp and Spandau you know there's always that been that running joke that, you know it's it's Dran versus Spandau okay. and they even reference the uh, game the quiz show, show where they did yeah. like, the quiz show yeah. <laughs> as well but at the end of the day it was never really a competition and I think 
think like this interview kind of reiterated that fact because, you know, as Simon, you know, pointed out more than once, you know, they were just all, you know, 20, early 20s, late teens at the same time, just trying to just trying to make it and trying to figure things out. And so I really enjoyed the conversation. I have to say shout out to Fiona Kemp, where are wherever you are in the world. I don't, I I don't know that you would ever be listening to this because, you know, we've heard this story before about the beginnings of the band and how Simon came to know that Duran was looking for a lead singer. But every once in a while when I hear that story, okay, I'm like, okay, that was her name. Because I always forget her name, Fiona Kemp. We no owe, relation. To no Gary. relation to Gary Kemp. <laughs> um, we owe that woman wherever you are in this world such a debt of gratitude. <laughs> it's not even funny. It's so um, true. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like on my walk hike today listening to this podcast and I'm just like, oh my gosh, wouldn't we all love to thank that woman <laughs> in person? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Simon, uh, over to the Red Runner. I mean, seriously. Yeah, and <laughs> just the story he told, I, I listened to two interviews and the other is the Gary Barlow one on BBC Two and a lot of what Simon said was very much the same, like same stories and everything. I was thinking about how, like, he talks about Fiona and how she was there when he was in Dog Days and he called her a fan of Dog Days. And the story about Barlow, his first band, which I had yes. never heard of until today. Right. <laughs> and um, then Dog Days getting um, kicked off stage or not off, not off. They weren't even on a stage, but getting kicked off the floor. Um, and being called dog poops. And being yes. called dog shit. Yes, that was funny. <laughs> Everybody, dog shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that she'd been a, like, she was previous to Claire Stansfield, as far as I know. Like, they right. seem to have been together, together for a while. And then they're not together when she suggests, hey, you should go to the Rum Runner and meet these guys. Which You're makes right. it even more significant. Of I know. That we yeah. owe her because they yeah. had broken up. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so I've never thought all of that people, to me. We also owe all those people that didn't pick Simon to be an actor. He, yes. And it was interesting <laughs> to hear him talk about that. He's like, I kept getting rejected. And I kept getting rejected. And I thought I was a good actor. And I wanted to be an actor. And I got cut the second round. Well, the, year the, the universe was set. had other plans. I was yes. going to say, you talk about like something not being for you. Something when something ha- bad happens and you think it's the end of your universe. But then it's actually you being directed to something even more amazing. Right. Like if that's not an example of something. Thing. And Simon made me laugh. He laughed when he was like, "I thought I was Simon Olivier, Olivier." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the part he was meant to play was the front man of Duran Duran. Exactly. Which yeah. Exactly. Which, according to the way that he tells the story in both of these interviews, it was instant. Like they were all dressed similarly, and the minute that the the four who were original, or I guess the four that were there, started playing music, he talked about on the I think it was the Barlow BBC Two interview. He talked about the instant that music started. He was thinking of Brian Ferry and Roxy Music, and then I've been in this grass here for the last ten hours, and Sound of Thunder just came out of him. And it was kind of a more Roxy music feel at the time. But Sound of Thunder started almost instantly the second time they met and started doing music together. Well, so, yes, all book. that other stuff was just building yeah. up to that moment. And he had the book of lyrics. And I think that was a big check mark or tick mark, as they say in the UK. It was like, 
if we hire this guy, we already got some lyrics too. Yes. Do you know, okay, I did not know this until today either. Did you know that Missing was the first song LeBon ever wrote? No, I I didn't know that. And I didn't realize until this interview as well that he pretty much, they pretty much had Rio going together, going in before like Rio was a thing. Like they had Rio kind of together roughly before it was even like before. And he was, and it had some other like. Amy Agogo? Oh yeah, like that. <laughs> I love that so much. And he, I, he even sang a little bit because they Maybe would actually go, do go, it. Go, go, <laughs> I thought that which, was so yeah, good. which he was saying he's like, which I thought was crap, but you know. And <laughs> <laughs> he turned it into something pretty, yeah, you know. And and did we and so. did we know that John is the person that came up with Rio as the name of the title? I did. I don't think book. that I knew that in the I book. I did. I Hold didn't on, remember I that I part. It. I didn't remember I that part, and that was kind of a counterpart to what Roxy Music was doing. So they wanted something along that lines of a catchy um, title. And I love, love, love that um, Gary Kemp also talked about um, when he was asking about lyrics and how it was prophetic that in Planet Earth, Simon was talking. It talks about you know some new romantic looking for the TV sound and that was before MTV and I was just like oh my gosh oh my gosh I was having (laughs) I'm on my walk hike and I'm like dying I'm like oh my god not because of my walk hike because like they're they're giving me all these revelations and all of this like all this kismet and I'm like yes 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 (laughs) <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I caught that too, but I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, yes, that was the, the whole beginning of all of it. And I think Gary Kemp followed up what he said with, you were the front runner. You were the, the people that made this happen. I thought it was interesting. Um, the, like the Spandau history and the Duran Duran history, because Spandau's history is slightly different. They were new romantic, but Simon was like, oh no, in Birmingham, that's, that's a London thing. In Birmingham, we were doing post-punk, which I thought was really, really cool because they have been so pigeonholed into this new romantic thing for so long. And I think people are kind of starting to recognize, no, they did new romantic for like six months. Yeah. And then they morphed into this like more global thing with Rio and all that. So, um, but I think I think they get called new wave now more than new romantic. Like because they were talking about new wave as well. But and new so, wave only lasted very short too. Yes, but I mean, and and I feel like Simon said he put new romantic because he liked that from the article. And when he said mm-hmm. that in Planet Earth, then that's when I'm like, oh well, you're new romantic too because you said it in the song. So he kind of did it to himself, like even if he wasn't truly a new romantic, he kind of Which is funny because that, that lyric is more sort of, I don't, I don't want to say making fun, but just kind right. of yeah. The, yeah. like irony yeah. or, you know, kind yeah. of, you know what I mean? It is ironic the way it, but I thought whoever that picked up on it, he, they, he said it. So that's what they are. You know, people don't listen that closely necessarily to all this stuff. I don't remember which of the two, but because they were so similar, I am going to overlap them. Simon talked a lot about how they had the first two records pretty much written even before Rio, before they started recording Rio. And when it came to Seven and the Ragged Tiger, they were, they were dry. They had nothing. 
So where I have always heard the story was they were tired, they'd been touring, all this fame had gotten to them. They had to go from place to place to place because of um, particular issues that were happening for recording Seven and the Ragged Tiger. And Simon was even like, even just the name Seven and the Ragged Tiger kind of indicates that there was a lot of frenetic stuff going on around us. And he made it seem like it was more of that they were just so, he didn't say ragged, I'm thinking ragged. They were um, just so not ready yet to record it, yet they were being pushed by the record company, they were being pushed by management, they were being pushed by so-and-so and the accountant and this person and that person. The The third album does not hold the same panache that the first two do because to them it was such a stressful thing that they struggled to get done. And I but got fans, that from what he was talking about. I mean, that's the but thing. That's we the thing know that piece of it. They were even comparing like how Seven doesn't sound at all like Rio. It's yeah. a completely yeah, different, different right. thing. And it's because the first two were kind of written all at the same time, more or less. And then Seven had to be created out of dust. Well, and I then Notorious. Is, Coming in after that, totally different. And Duran and started reinventing itself. In none of these interviews did they talk about the writing. Because that Gary Barlow interview is how it's about songwriting. And nobody addressed like how they rebuilt the band after. Well, I guess Gary and, and Guy did. Um, how they rebuilt the band after Roger and, and uh, Andy left. But yeah. um, it wasn't. There wasn't some explicit explanation as to how they came out of Seven and Ragged Tiger and Live Aid and all that stuff and then made Notorious. But it makes sense that Seven sounds completely different, you know, based on when, like you said, like now that we know that like the first album and Rio were kind of already, you know, written at the same time and together in the very beginning. And that, you know, given the circumstances they were in after that instant fame, I mean, like Simon talked about, like, you know, they went from Antigua to Australia and it's like, you know, their instant, um, the pandemonium happened like while they were on the plane over to Australia on that on flight the plane. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, that makes sense to me as to why Seven's a little darker. But yeah, I will too. say a silver lining on Seven, Mr. Nile Rogers and to redo the reflex. And that's where it all started with that. With Which Nile doesn't happen if they don't go to Australia, you know, basically. Right. Yes. Um, so, and it doesn't I mean, happen it's if all... they're kind of struggling and they need a little oomph. They're like, let's bring this guy to bring in the oomph. And he sure did. And in the Barlow interview, Simon mentions that Niall just added some spice, like literally, he said, Niall just added a little spice. And Deanna, you just said it. He added that, but it was just a teeny tiny bit. He just wiggled some knobs and there it was. Right. And it's not, you know, not a knock on seven at all. It was just different. And just like all the other, just the entire sort of discography of, right? It's just, it, it was a uh, different, different times. It's like, it, it captures that moment at that time when they've recorded that album. And seven is, they were in the thick of just this insanity. And, they and it's kind of an insane, it's kind of an, if you think about yeah. it, like, I take the dice. Right. Very insane or the sound. lyrics. And, yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense now as as our older adults. The perspective. Like, yeah. it's a perspective to hear the backstory and you're like, ah, oh, okay. I can hear that in the lyrics in Seven. I mean, I love me some Seven and the Ragged Tiger. So, like, you're yeah. not, I mean, I'm nothing, like Dee said, nothing against that. But it just, it, you know, 
as we always say, we're always learning something new about this band and it's 40 years, 40 plus years later. And, you know, I had some new perspective today, you know, that was given to me as to why, you know, maybe lyrically and musically, you know, seven sounds so different. Right. And I love that. There was also a little bit of discussion on this um, BBC Two interview about the recording of A View to a Kill and not like personnel issues within the band or anything, but how John Barry and Nick got into it. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. I heard that for, for some reason, I always thought it was John that got into it with John Barry. But it's Nick, Nick, according to Simon, who said it was very funny when I heard Simon say this. But he said, Nick came to him and said, this guy's trying to write our song for us. <laughs> Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, there's no way that the controller is going to let somebody else write a song that has name on it. And Jody, I mean, John's the one that, that got it put together, like meeting in the in the, the party. With Cubby Brock. Chubby. Yes. Yeah, Cubby. Cubby. Chubby. Chubby. Yeah. Chubby. <laughs> Not Chubby. <laughs> the broccoli guy. But, yeah, no, I've heard that about Nick, too. Songs have to have a certain feel to them. So, you know, that shouldn't have been super surprising that there was a little direction coming in. Because, actually, I think I heard on um, Sirius West, they were talking about Bond songs, like, two days ago. And they were talking about that, that there's this certain grandiose thing that happens and they need you know he was, was running the whole score oh. he was running the whole score of the movie because he's a guy that scores all these movies and it needed to be able to kind of hang with the rest of the movie too so but duran duran took that took that grandiose and took that sound that that's you know and just they took it to another level it was like a sample yeah it was just yeah and it came, yeah. it, 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 it like came together so well that that song, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just like all the other Bond songs. It's just stood the test of time. So fun side note on a view to a kill and the rapporteur, <laughs> I was going to say that. talking about his warm up. He's like, I am not going to start with the high notes on a view to a kill. I'm like, thank you for acknowledging that. He's like, I can't no, he said wild boys. It was wild boys. He said yeah. wild boys. And he did say, and I made those, the, what did he say? The word, hit the note from, what did he say? Oh my gosh. In Live Aid, he was describing uh, hitting the worst uh, note ever. Okay. Well, it was yeah. Wild Boys, but yes. we're but he, the, about the high note in A View to a Kill. Too. I did love the way he addressed, <laughs> though, how he does his vocal warm-up. And I was like, well, you need to keep doing <laughs> You need to keep doing them, man. <laughs> and can I just say, since we're on the Bond theme, I'm going to nominate nothing less as a potential off future past, as a potential what? Bond theme, because wow. I hear that, like, I was listening to that last night, and I honestly thought, okay, I could see this in a scene. I don't know who's going to play the next James Bond, but I literally could visualize Daniel Craig walking around in the desert or something to nothing less. I'm just saying. I know, random. That random. is totally I random. I thought I'd give it up to it. Mm. Well, okay, the first so, time that we heard it. Okay, I thought Idris Elba was going to be the next Bond. Am I not I think correct? That's I think he's I talking he, about his girl. name has been his name has yeah. been yeah. been put around for years, but they don't okay. have it. They don't have an ex James Bond yet. Has okay, not been well. announced. Nope. I, I I can honestly say I have never ever ever thought of a song in a James Bond movie, even A View to a Kill. I know. I saw it in the theater in 1985 or whatever. I heard A View to a Kill in reference to this movie. It is not a Bond theme to me. It is never, ever connected in my brain. A View to a Kill? A, yes. It's never really? connected in my brain. Oh, wow. This is in wow. The, have you only seen the movie one time? <laughs> 
Probably. <laughs> Although I wow. live with someone who has traditionally been a James Bond fan. I've watched, I love the Connery films. Some and of you the, tell the Roger Moore films. Goldfinger. Goldfinger, yes. A View <laughs> Kill is a Duran Duran song. It is not a James Bond theme song. To me. It's it just because they've heard song. it live so many times. I think that's it. The connection, yeah, the connection is synonymous. Yeah. So I, I, think, I love I, I when think they start is. out with the James Bond theme when they do the intro and then they yes. go into a view to kill. I, I think that's that, pretty cool. That kind of helps me a little bit. But I mean, even hearing you guys talk about it. Okay. I don't well, the think the rest of us are not we all the rest of us hear the James Bond theme. Jody is the one that doesn't hear the James <laughs> Bond theme. Outlier. Yes. Let's just make sure to decide. Let's make sure to decide. Yes. <laughs> okay, what what other interviews? James Corden. Oh, the talk James Corden. Oh, Oh my goodness. That was so oh fun. Okay, and we want to see mention. The, we we want to see the karaoke. When do we know when that's yes. happening? No, there has been zero other than the photos and a little bit of mention from Levon about karaoke. The it Jag, not been yeah, the Jag. Yes. Oh my God, that was beautiful. That car is beautiful. beautiful. I did want to just mention that. I can't appreciate Jeffrey and Nicholas Rhodes any more than I did that night. I think I told my husband that it is it's nearly impossible to continually impress someone after 40 years to the point of like complete pandemonium. But I felt so completely proud of Nick for wearing a blue and yellow suit that Jeffrey created on the James Corden show. I couldn't, I, that was my most proud moment as a Duran Duran fan. Like, and I realized there's been 40 years of stuff that I have to be proud of, but that right now, I, I just want to hug the man's neck. <laughs> Both Jeffrey and Nicholas right now. I think that was yeah, it was fantastic. So and you know, and you know, Nick said so much, and he didn't have to say a word. He didn't and say a word. It, it just like I just when I first saw it, I was like, yes, I just yes. I nearly course. cried. I nearly yes. cried. Love it was it. so beautiful, so beautiful. Love it. And I it was un completely unexpected, which I think might have been what shocked me to the point of oh my god but it was fantastic what'd you think of the interview with i the, thought it was the, fun the i like the form i like the format and yeah. um some of the things that he'd asked and talked about of course you know they they're getting asked the same things of course yes. i thought the format was good i i enjoyed them and they looked like you know they looked like they were having a good time which was really important and it showed in the performance as simon has said on whoosh more than once he loves when he gets to come to the u.s and he loves when he gets to especially come to well austin Texas. Says hello, um, but uh, and shout out to Don Brown, who I saw this past week with his Austin City Limits T-shirt. Yes, yes, that yes. did not go unnoticed, Don Brown. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. Uh, so we saw you. You know, Simon loves to be in LA uh, as well too. So I, I just they just looked relaxed and refreshed. Um, he looks so happy. Yeah, looks happy. So happy. All and, week. Yeah, and James exactly. Corden. I mean, he 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 looked legitimately excited yeah. to have them on and everything. Yeah. So that yeah. it, that that goes a long way too, because you know some some folks it's like they they act like they are, but you can see right through it that they're they don't have no clue. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, just, Mario looked, Lopez know. and his wife on oh, Actors Hollywood with Simon. That was so. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, could you script this any better? It was so awful. Oh. Anyway, 
thank you for saying that because I think James Corden was super excited and yeah. I saw comments on our Twitter stuff um, of people saying he's a super fan he's a super yeah. fan but I wanted which to is ask, why we want to see the carpool Canada yes. oh, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a separate issue with Sandra Oh and we need to address that momentarily but let me ask you did anybody else get a I prefer Pepsi myself vibe when John mentioned the Dolly and the Rock Hall thing because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like this is kind of John being a little Pepsi <laughs> That's, yeah. thing. That's funny. <laughs> so John says, Oh, we want to thank Dolly Parton for backing out yeah. of the Rock Hall nomination. And if Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart want to do, do the that. same, <laughs> I thought, Oh my God, this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Pepsi myself. <laughs> yes. And what did he say about, I liked what he said about our laurels. Oh, we, we don't, don't rest. We don't like to rest on them. But what he said before that, I forgot what he said. I, was I like, can't remember I like exactly, that. but I thought that was good too. I thought yeah. that's a very John thing to say. <laughs> and speaking of John, we forgot to mention congratulations yeah. to him on his art show. art exhibit. Oh my god! Aspen. I forgot about oh him. my gosh, the video was so adorable. A little <laughs> Nigel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so awesome. <laughs> congratulations on that because um, the, I, I mean, any time that you get to express you, you know yourself in other ways, and that goes for John Taylor, that goes for anybody. I mean, that's always exciting when you get to share your your work, your art, um, with with everyone. So especially you know, as we know, Jody's husband is a, is an artist as well, and, and does a lot of shows and showings, and so um, we just we really appreciated that. Yeah. Because we didn't know that we were going to actually get to see some of his work. We've seen little snippets um, from Gila, you know, posting on Instagram. But for it to come, you know, to be able to, you know, have it framed and printed and, and an actual art exhibit is exciting. And so hopefully he'll get to bring that to other areas of not only this country, but abroad as well. Or, or I don't know why it sh shocked me so much, but that was the first show he'd ever had of any of his art. Right. And he went to school to be an artist. He's created graphics for years, and this was the first time that artwork or his artwork had ever been displayed in this way. And I was I was really proud of that for him. Right. Well, and really and it may have been him. because it was maybe his first fine art. Art, like his graphics work yes he's done that but I mean th these were paintings and right? that was usually a partnership with Patty too so yeah. uh, I think idea person um, the do it person I can't think of what that other word would be but um, but yeah I mean I don't know I mean obviously he spent a lot of time doing his painting and artwork during uh, the pandemic which what a great way to celebrate coming out of a pandemic yeah. into an endemic and being able to do this. Now, I know one person who lives in Colorado who may be able to go to Aspen. I don't know if she's gone yet, but she lives in Parker. She's going over to Aspen, hopefully, which is about two and a half hours away. She's a huge Durani. She's one of my food fighters, Durani friends, and I really hope she gets to go because she was actually even interested in buying some of the art. Who knows if it's affordable? <laughs> How long, is, how long is the show going to go? Isn't it until like, like early April? April or something? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And shout out yeah. to um, like you were mentioning, you know, he's done a lot of collaborating and had ideas with Patty Palazzo. Yeah. And um, I know that she was able to help him, you yeah. know, kind of get it together and kind of work behind the scenes as she always does. And so congratulations to Patty Palazzo as well for being a partner, you know, to make it John happen. with it, make it, helping him make that happen and pulling it together. So yep, that's that's a nice yeah. little feather in his cap. Yes, I sure. think so. Okay. And yeah. I mean, as an art student, that's what you want is to yeah. be able to show your art and it's only taken them 40 years to do that so I think that's pretty cool um we did not mention Roger on Richard Blade you guys do we have time to talk about Richard Richard and Roger um yeah I heard There's a little bit I didn't get to Roger. hear the uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did not get to hear the entire interview from what, from what I did hear. Um, you know, he's excited to get back out on the road. He talked about them playing at Madison Square Garden on this 14, this uh, short run of, of oh shows gosh. and how he actually, every time they play Madison Square Garden, he kind of can't believe it that, that they get to play Madison Square Garden because that is like an end game for a lot of artists. It's an iconic venue. And we so can't he forget about that early quote about we want to make it to Madison Square Garden by, what, 1983? And they did, 1984, and they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think it was um, just a couple of days ago was the anniversary of their first uh, Madison Square Garden show. Yeah, so it was a good um, it was a good discussion, right? Anything, any other good nuggets from Roger? All I remember is hearing yeah. somebody talk about him saying that yeah, Late Bar would be a great song for us to maybe play live one day. And in my brain, I was like, oh my gosh, they're start, they're gonna play Late Bar. Oh my gosh, they're gonna play Late Bar. I would, I would, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think I've just made this up. It's all in my brain. Nobody's ever said that they're gonna play late bar live but that that is something roger alluded to makes me very excited i think uh, i haven't heard late bar before so that's definitely would uh for me for sure so we I, shall see i think they pulled it out during the reunion but not at a show that i was at it was more like london shows where they did like make me smile and late bar and like totally screwed the rest of us and the rest of the world but i mean those are the songs <laughs> i want to hear so if, if it can happen that would be and, great and, and cue me saying cue me once again saying okay this is a great time for you to introduce a shout uh, on your side I mean, come on now <laughs> come on now Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask like how did how like how do you feel about the idea that Rio would be the album that would get played in its full but not seven? Because I have a feeling seven's like the one you lean toward. Um, if seven is, I think we've I've mentioned this in an earlier podcast, uh, you know, a couple of years ago that like seven was the first album that I owned. I just have that play that album has a special place in my heart. Then I got Rio and then I got the first album. For me, that just I just I can go back to my 12 year old self and see me laying on the floor, um, listening to that album by the speaker and, you know, just on repeat and on repeat and on repeat before I even figured out how you could skip over songs by the grooves. Like, so I just, I, I'm just attached to that album. You know, I'm going to go see all of them in its entirety and I <laughs> right. absolutely wouldn't mind hearing future past in its entirety. I think uh, that would be fantastic as well. Um, but seven has a special place in my heart. So, and, and shadows on your side was always, was always the song that was always, was the lead up was what I was always waiting for. I don't know. I think it's, 
how I really, really, truly discovered that, like, okay, bass is my thing. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Okay, so as, as we kind of wrap up the discussion, Jody, you mentioned Sandra O. Oh. Are we just oh, right. curious how she, like, got in the car? Is, is that the question? <laughs> For the carpool karaoke, she's in the pictures. So we don't know exactly what's happening. If she's in the car or she just happened to be around that day or what? what the only what connection doing. I can make is that there was an, uh, she was coming out of some event somewhere. Someone had a microphone and a phone to record her, and they asked her about something, and Duran Duran came up, and she mentioned that she was a huge fan of Duran Duran and loved Duran Duran, and Simon tweeted in response to someone sending him that video of her saying that, something like, I could get behind that, and all of a sudden, they're doing James Corden in L.A. this past week, and Sandra Oh and Simon are photographed together and there are captions with those photographs that indicate that while they're out recording carpool karaoke Sandra O oh and Simon are hanging out together so I have in my brain that they're in the car with James Corden Sandra O oh and Simon and James Corden singing Duran Duran songs wasn't John in there too John was somewhere around in all of that and I can't tell from anything that I've seen that he was in the in the car with them doing karaoke with them. James and Sandra in the front seat, and Simon and JT in the back seat. That's that's my guess. We'll see. That I be, think Simon uh, would be in the front that. seat. Simon would be in the front seat. I don't know why she <laughs> yeah. in the front seat. Yeah. Front I thought seat. the singers were always in the back seat. No, they're always oh, no, in the back seat. No, no, no. Dave's in the front seat. Uh, Anthony Kiedis is in the front seat. Yeah, really, yeah. I didn't remember correctly. Yeah. Lady Gaga. But there's, there's room yeah. for four of them in the car. So those maybe the four. Well, okay, all the Foo Fighters were in there, including Rami. So there were Dave in the front, Nate, Pat, Chris, and Rami in the back. So yeah, they were all there. So yeah, they can fit everybody in there. But well, we I didn't know see Roger. There's no so Roger and no Roger. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know what I did not bring up in the interview uh, stories that we were talking about was the most significant piece that I uh, heard today. And I don't know that we've talked about this before. I think maybe we've speculated about this, but in the Tours uh, podcast interview with Gary and uh, Guy, Simon said he has been in touch with Warren lately. And then he himself took it upon himself to say that if they are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then both Warren and Andy need to be there. We did not talk about this. What do you think about this? Because my, I'm going. That's the reason I'm going. It's to see. Well, they'll be there. It's not. It's not surprising to hear. I mean, because they're nominated as well. So, but but coming from Levon, it surprised me because I honestly didn't believe that Cucurillo would go, and Andy, I believed would only because of what he tweeted after or, or posted after. Yeah. the nomination came out. So I expected Andy to be there. Y'all know I'm not the biggest Cucurillo fan, but it kind of makes sense. And to think that the two of them will be there kind of blows my mind a little bit. But, I mean, what are we thinking about this? 
I, I think well, we all decided we have to be there. Well, as Simon stated, wouldn't that be something? And it would. Mm-hmm. And even Gary and Guy were like, you know, oh, so maybe like, you know, Warren could play on Ordinary World. Andy could play on, um, you know, the earlier material. I think it would mean, I mean, and, you know, and Simon's like, well, that could work. Um, So I think that they will figure it out. I liked Gary Kemp's comparison of Andy um, when he said that, like, you know, Andy was always a cross between Nile Rogers and um, Angus Young. And I'm like, yes, I love yes. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, well, yes, yes, yes. No yes, one's yes. ever said those two before. I know. And, and I was like, and exactly. And ducks them. Now I can play guitar with them. So they just may have like 50 yes. guitar players on the Seriously. stage with them. Yeah. Well, so, that's, that's the that's other okay. question. Who would Who's gonna, them? And I think like, it needs to be Nile Rogers. It needs to be Nile Rogers. I believe like, I, they cannot have, and respect to folks who have been influenced by them and, you know, like new artists and all that. But it, it's got, you've got to make the right choice for someone, for, for someone that key to induct that key of a band, that important of a band. And Nile Rogers is the only one yeah. that can do yeah. that. And I think he's the only choice too. I, yeah, I, I don't have anybody. No, Me too. He is, he is number one, and there's no number two on my list of people nope. to induct or Andrea. It's Nile <laughs> no, Rogers. I agree. And that's it. And that's I mean, it. just the fact that Nile considered him his other band, even just this right. week, as yeah. he's referring to playing with them live, uh, I, I believe there is no option. And if there is, I don't believe it's going to be the right one. So, okay, so, um, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate. If Sandra oh, starts to induct them, are y'all going to walk out of Oh, my God. <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, if That's you what just I'm think about, about it, <laughs> if, you, if you just think about it for a second, who would even who would even be qualified to I'm do saying. this as Nile Rogers is qualified? Do he call this his second they band? They do go for the big, big celebrities, and I mean, Nile within the music industry is a music god. But if if the Rock Hall is appealing to everyone. I could see Robert Downey Jr. because he's like the biggest star that has been up front. Now I'm not saying it's for oh, sure, no. but I nope. But Drew Barrymore <laughs> injected the Go Go's. She has nothing to do with music, so sometimes they're not music people. That's I mean, why I'm I saying. Was, I that's why I'm Nile saying they need too. to be. I wanted it to be Nile, but I'm just saying it doesn't have to be a music person. It has to be like I'm a big saying. deal, famous they've person. They've gotta. They've gotta not do that. They've gotta right. with this band. <laughs> they can't. They gotta be smart. Okay. It's like well, it's like when they did the the Vanguard Award at the MTV. Uh, it was freaking. Yes. Who was it? I already said. Uh, oh, was oh that uh, just Osborne. Um, oh, wasn't it her? Oh, Kelly. And April Kimberly? Levine. Kelly Osborne. And Kelly Osborne. Yes. Or, or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yes. are you kidding me? Yes. Well, yes. okay. So, I, but I wait, did the go go have a I will throw other one other person. Gwen Stefani. Nope. No. No. There's no other choice. I, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm no other choice. So, okay, Susan, I'm going to ask because you're a Go-Go's aficionado. Does the Go-Go's have a godmother? Because we have a godfather, and he deserves to be there with them when this happens. Exactly. Oh, that's, I, why, I that's why there's no I, other choice, because, like, he is basically the sixth member of Duran. <laughs> right. Um, you know, their brothers. Exactly. Wholeheartedly <laughs> agree it should be Nile. But these are the people that have also not nominated this band for the past twenty years. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They need to get it right. They're a wild card. They, they cannot afford to F this up. They can't yeah. F this up. Okay, I wanna know I, I think we need to sign off. <laughs> 
production, for sure. <laughs> they need to vote on that. <laughs> yeah, they need the fans to vote on that. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player, and you can even ask Alexa to play us with the TuneIn app. Also follow us on Instagram and our brand new Twitter page. See you again real soon.